Welcome back to Talking Points. One and all, thank you all for coming. Welcome to everyone watching on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, listening, watching, wherever you are in the world. It's me, Tomo, it's Aldas. And today, obviously, we've got to talk about this subject because it's been, you know, rife in the F1 paddock since the, uh, you know, Russia-Ukraine conflict has begun. Um, talk of not just Hass's future in the sport, but Nikita Mazepin specifically, and basically discussing the subject of what we think will happen. Do we think he'll lose his seat? There's a lot of things going on that are obviously completely, you know, we've got no idea, but I think there's a wider discussion to be had around pay drivers as well. And, you know, if that funding does dry up, does a driver deserve to lose their seat? So, Look, first of all, Aldas, let's just open it up with, you know, ultimately, do you think Mazepin will lose his seat? I guess that's kind of the first question here. Well, it's definitely a very kind of sensitive situation. It's a, It also really moved really quickly. I mean, even during testing, this what we weren't mm. even talking about it when we began the first week and then it kind of just obviously really came to light in Formula One. I do think the problem with the Mazepin situation is that I don't even think it's a question of will he lose his seat is that I don't think he's even going to be allowed to race because of the conflict. So many sanctions have been put to obviously against Russia that affect Formula One. And one of them is the visa situation for Mazepin, which is that according, I think mm. it's 18 out of the, what was it, 23, 24 race that we have this year or, you know, scheduled yeah. depending which ones we go to and which ones, which ones we won't. He won't be, be he won't be able to get into those countries because of the sanctions. So Hass's hands are really tight in this situation. And then you also get to kind of the point because they did kind of lose their sponsorship and they did and they distanced themselves from Uralkali. You just get into the simple question: is he now the best driver for that seat? Is he the best option? And the fact that he is there because of the funding, you know, would would the team have taken him in the first place if they didn't need that funding? Probably not. So it's it's a really strange situation. As we're recording, nothing has been official. Gunther Steiner was very, very coy and just kind of said, we're going to have to do this by the book. We're going to look at all of our options. But again, he didn't even, even with the loose information that we had, he didn't exactly sound confident that, yes, Nikita is staying. So yeah. I think at the moment, it's a question of when, not if. Well, yeah, because the statements that Gunther have put out have been very much like, the team is safe because the question has been asked, yeah. you know, how reliant are you on the funding from Eurocarle? Um, he's implying that, you know, then it's not a fundamental part. I was watching a video from, I think the race a couple of days ago saying that kind of, it was about, they're talking about maybe a fifth of the budget is coming from like them. That, yeah. So it's not, yeah, it's, it's not like a huge, I'm not saying it's not a huge deal financially. Of course, that's a huge sponsor. It's one of very few. Actually, because when you look at that Haas car, in terms of the big sponsors, there's obviously Haas itself, which is obviously Haas CNC. So that, you know, there's value to Gene Haas having that logo on the car for his business, for his CNC business. You've got your Alcali, and then you've got One and One, which is obviously Mick Schumacher's um, kind of personal sponsor that have come over. They are pretty much the only three main sponsors on that car there are other sponsors of course but they're kind of tiny on the side so you've got to wonder you know do you think that Haas is safe as well like beyond the Mazepin thing do you think the team is going to be safe without from what we've heard or is going to just kind of put in a you know a happy face on what is not a very kind of happy situation I think we have to remember why they needed that sponsorship in the first place this was right off the back of the pandemic has one of the teams at the back just like williams let's not forget that williams was actually sold to doralton during the pandemic so has was also hit massively and that's why they needed that funding 
but Gunther Steiner, I think I didn't hear anything from Gene Haas, but Gunther Steiner was very, very clear. The team is in a good place now. Again, it's only 20% of their budget. Now, don't get me wrong, 20% to a Formula One team is still massive, mm. but it's not critical. If they lose that money today, which they're clearly, because of the conflict, they're not, they're, they're taking a big kind of, you know, stand against it. They're saying, we don't need the money. We're fine without it. And it's not mm. worth the hassle at all. So clearly the team, I think, is in a good, is in a good place. And I think it is kind of important to, to kind of reassure people because you don't want to kind of be a part of Hassan and say, are the team in trouble? You know, are we still going to have jobs? The team is in a good place. They're just going to sort course, it out over the next week in terms of the driver situation. That might mean that Gene might have to put a bit more of his money into the team. But at the end of the day, if you want to have a mm. good function in Formula One team, they do also need to find some other sponsors as well. So yeah, let's not forget why Yurauklo was brought in. It was a very bad situation with the pandemic financially, but now the team is in a much better place and Gunther Steiner really kind of uh, reassured us of that. And there's the increased kind of Ferrari connection as well. Obviously, there's been a lot talked of that um, going into this season, how, you know, they've opened up. now. Essentially, Haas now have kind of three locations. They're, they're in the US, obviously. That's where the kind of technical technically the base of the team is but then they've got you know the factory in Banbury that we've yeah. driven past after you know that pro drive shoot that's right around the corner um and obviously now they've got the um the place in Marinello as well where you've got Simone Resto used to be at Ferrari so I, I do wonder as well you know how much again this is all speculation because this is such a, an emerging story there's so much going on so quickly I'm sure discussions because you know I'm sure Hash just wanted to get through the test they pretty much just took the Eurocali logos off of the car, off of the kind of motorhomes and that. Just finish off the test, make the best job of it that they could. And then I guess this week, this gap between now and Bahrain is where I imagine we'll learn a bit more about the future of that team. You know, will they bring in more sponsors? Will they just run a plane livery? Will they mix that up as well? You know, there's there's so many factors going into it. But do, do you think as well, because I, I guess it's the... The decision to take that branding off of the car and off of the team was obviously made very quickly, especially like last year where the 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 inclusion of the Russian flag was even more blatant than it was on the livery this year as well. Um, there's all that association, these other brands not wanting to be seen. Like how big of a component do you think Ferrari kind of played in that as well? Because I think surely they must have because it's, it's by association, right? Yeah, well, actually, before I get to the Ferrari point, I actually don't think it's a coincidence that... The Russian flag, obviously, let's not let's not forget that the livery came out obviously last year with the Euralkali, but I actually don't think it's a coincidence that there was less of that kind of Russian influence. The kind of they really kind of dialed it down, so it was more just kind of a white car with red and blue stripes. I don't think that's a coincidence, to be True. brutally honest with you. Before you know, all of this kind of kicked off, I think a week ago or less than a week ago, even so, that's just how fast the situation moves. But uh, for sure, I think it's not just the Ferrari Association. I think the reason why they acted really quickly is because that is because they don't need the hassle. I mean. Even on the Formula One side, their test didn't go great. Let's not forget that this team put so much into 2022 and they had a whole host of reliability issues. Their car wasn't exactly, you know, whatever you want to say about the times, it wasn't exactly topping the timesheet. So not only do they have kind of not that great of a first test, they just didn't want the noise. They clearly just don't want the hassle. It's not worth it. So that's why they acted very quickly and, and very well, actually, in my opinion, in terms of how quick they were on it. And for Absolutely. sure, the Ferrari, it's... it's Quicker quicker than the FIA in, in F1, Exactly. Sure. I was I was very impressed with that. And for sure, the Ferrari kind of situation as well in terms of there's a lot of brands associated in Formula One. There's a lot of brands now, even, mm. of course, Ferrari have, I think Kaspersky is a, is a Russian company as well. And they're kind of like have a really yep. tight partnership. But 
there's a very big difference between having like a, a tie up with a technology company in Russia and having your entire livery, your entire, you know, sponsorship kind of associated with a chemical company that is state owned by the country. So yeah, there's also the Ferrari links. I think it's not just Ferrari. I think it's all of Formula One that are trying to kind of cut ties with some of those Russian links or certainly kind of dial them down a little bit. So all of that went into it. But at the same time, I think Gunther Steiner, something that he really wanted to point out is that they want to do this by the book. Also on the Mazepin side, they want to do it the legal way, you know, not rich energy style and just kind of mm. do it on Twitter. Of so course, yeah, yeah. they're trying to do everything by the book, <laughs> do it properly. And I'm sure that we're mm. going to get an answer actually fairly soon. Yeah, you would you would hope like it's not gonna. I don't know. That, that's that's the thing. There's so that must be such a difficult situation to kind of manage because it is pretty unprecedented. You know, in terms of you know voiding contracts because of you know it, it it's a war that's going on and and ultimately as well. Yeah, you, I do kind of reflect on how you know this is. I mean, Hass Hass as a team have had a let's just say challenging last few years in the sport. It's certainly, you know, we've both been kind of critical of, of Gunter Steiner and, and how he's managed, you know, drive relationships particularly. I think that's a big point, but also it hasn't been an easy ride. You know, you had, again, Rich Energy 2019, you had kind of, you know, Kevin Roman, you know, a lot of difficulties on track. You know, 2020 was a bit kind of more steady. And then last year, obviously two rookies in that car, it was always going to be a challenge. Now we've got this, which is not only kind of, you know, they've got to make decisions quickly as well going into this new season. Obviously, like you said about Nikita, if he can only attend, what, five of the 22, 23 races on the calendar, you know, is this something where the team acts kind of proactively and right, we want someone who's going to be able to race every single race, no doubt, because we don't know what the sanctions are going to be from what Gunter said. There's no kind of confirmation that Nikita's ability to drive is going to be affected, but that is what is understood and what people seem to believe is going to happen, that his ability to race is going to be inhibited. So to has just be like, right, we need a replacement now, or do, do you think they'll try and long it out with Nikita and see if they can maybe make it work? There's definitely positives and negatives. I mean, just to really kind of quickly get the whole Nikita thing out of the way as well. Maybe they think it's valuable to keep him on if they really want to. He's obviously been at the team. He's integrated there right now. I think the level that he drives at is, is it the absolute best? Uh, it's absolutely not. So the positives of him being there is that he knows the car. He knows the team. He's already integrated, but... I think it's more than noise. I think people, it's not just that he's associated with Euralkali. It's that, you know, it's his dad's association with obviously the Russian president as well. That, all of that noise, you can't, mm. especially with Haas and the fact that they are at the back of the grid, there's already noise. That's just Formula One, you know, being at the back, you, you that comes with pressure. And then all of that, I think it's it's not, again, it's not worth the hassle because there are so many kind of sensitive topics when, when it kind of surrounds Nikita Mazepin. So that I, I actually think that's the biggest driving force more than anything else. Even if they could keep him, do you think, I actually want to ask you, do you think even if they could keep him and maybe, you know, they think that he's kind of like the sensible option still, do you think they even want to? Mm. No, I, I, I think it's probably not the best move. A, because, you, you know, he's not... Sometimes there's going to be drivers, sometimes there's going to be, you know, you see it in this in all sports who, you know, when someone is a truly kind of special talent, you know, teams will bend over, go above and beyond, do everything they can um, to secure that talent, to, to keep them on, to keep them competing, even if things outside of sport, um, you know, 
aren't looking too good. But I think, you know, Nikita, yeah, clearly he hasn't he hasn't shown in his first season he got convincingly trounced by by Mick Schumacher. You know, the value in keeping him probably isn't there, I imagine, for, for Haas, because obviously you've got and we'll talk more about this in terms of other options. Obviously, you've got, you know, Giovinazzi's a Ferrari driver still. He was there at the test with Ferrari, and obviously the Haas-Ferrari links are there. You've got Pietro Fittipaldi, of course, who, you know, raced a couple of races in 2020 uh, after Grosjean's crash. So he understands the team. He's been there. You know, you've got this big catalogue of Ferrari junior drivers who, you know, they've got a lot of talent um, coming up through. Probably, you could argue, maybe not as... Oscar Piastri maybe, we'll maybe this is an sure. opportunity Al, Al, Alpine are seeing a, an opportunity to write we'll loan you out to Haas I know obviously there's not a Renault connection there but I just think with the other options that are available and we've talked so much recently about drivers who deserve to be in the sport and are not and I just think yeah that there's and and this is another question as well when we talk deserve because again for Nikita Nikita got that drive that there's this is this isn't a controversial thing to say. He got that drive because of the of money that his dad could bring into the team. That's the fact. That's clear. You look at his F2 career and it wasn't anywhere near plenty of other drivers yet. He gets the F1 seat. And look, this happens. This has happened in Formula One throughout Formula One's history. Okay. This is nothing new. But when that funding disappears, then it's a question of, and I've seen plenty of discourse online of people saying Nikita doesn't deserve to lose his seat because of course is is he personally responsible for what's going not. on? Of course yeah. he's not. Okay, and and that's and that, this is another question. You know, the Russian people are no more like it, it's it's not. They're not responsible for what's going on. That's clear. And yes, I know Nikita's dad has links to direct links to Putin. Yes, of course, but that doesn't mean Nikita is responsible. That's ridiculous. But the funding dries up, and if that's the reason you're in the sport, as far as I'm concerned, you don't deserve to keep your seat because that's the reason you're there. But I don't know. How do you feel about that? I think money gets you there and then talent keeps you there. That's the thing. And whether whether he has enough talent, I, I don't think so. I don't think he showed. Again, uh, there's something I said a lot last year. He hasn't showed it. No. Something I said a lot last year is that I wasn't expecting him to get like points or podiums or anything like that. But mm. up against a rookie teammate, I expected them to be close. I expected them to be within like a tenth mm. of each other. Maybe a few glimpses. Like we did see with Mick some glimpses. There was a really great qualifying, some Q2 sessions. I remember in Turkey, that little bit of fight in Hungary mm. when he was given the chance. And you can see so you can see a little potential. Like if I put Mick in an Aston yeah. Martin or an Alpha Tauri, you know, there could be a pretty decent midfield driver there. I didn't see that. I didn't see anything Definitely. with with Nikita Mazbin. I mean, and that, and that's the problem. So it's and yeah, it comes back to the point when the money does dry up, if that's the thing that got you there, and if they don't need the money, then I don't think I think there are better and more deserving drivers. More deserving is always a bit you know, Formula One and morals. No, no one knows who deserves a seat at the end of the day. Like maybe you're, we don't even know what the parity is in Formula Two between the cars. You know, someone maybe at the back of the grid could mm. be doing a great job in a, in a worse Formula Two car, but there's definitely better drivers. Even if I say that broadly, there's definitely better drivers and options, I think for Haas outside of Nikita. And again, I, I just come back to the fact that it was still their choice. It was still their choice to take him. I know they were desperate, but I do feel sorry for the team, by the way, because we both know, I mean, we, we've spoken to people that actually work for Haas. Mm. So we know they are a hardworking bunch. They're passionate racers. They just want to do well. Absolutely. And they don't deserve all of this mm. noise. They just want to get on with their job, be competitive, have fun in Formula One. And I do also kind of feel sorry for them. But you do still have to look. That that decision was still there for them, you know, to bring on your and to bring on Mazepin. So, 
yeah, I think just distancing them and just almost starting fresh. It's, it was all, it's a brand new era on the track. I almost think they need a brand new yeah. era off the track as well. Yeah, I, I'm very, very glad that it appears that they're not reliant on that money to keep functioning as a team because that would obviously be like, this is the first new, completely fresh new team into Formula One, you know, f like it was 2016 their first yeah. season and then you had what probably Manor Marisha, yeah we had that, kind of, that kind of era but the thing is I mean I was watching Formula 1 back then and I can't describe the difference between those three teams I think it was HRT Virgin Nowhere. and Lotus I can't describe the difference between them mm. and Haas I mean Haas scored points on their F1 debut with Romain Grosjean they are they were a midfield team they were a great startup they did it the right way they had the backing and the links with Ferrari Gene Haas went about it the right way and they deserve to be in Formula 1. And I'm happy they're in F1, but just what's been happening over the last few years, maybe it's a bit yeah. of naivety from them. They are still a young team, like when you look at the rest of the grid. But yeah, they're learning They're learning the hard way and it's time to make some tough decisions. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of the the struggles have been, yes, of course, there's been, you know, Kevin and Roman not playing ball and, and that's a kind of more individual, I think, kind of driver management thing. But a lot of it has been stuff, you know, off track that has damaged the reputation I, I think somewhat of that name which is a shame because yeah I think it's easy to forget that they finished fifth in the constructors championship in 2018 and even under delivered like, a little bit they, they maybe, finished, uh, in 2018 yeah. yeah under delivered a little bit in 2018 yeah exactly exactly they finished where Alpine finished you know season just gone and they did a fair good job like you know Ocon got the win Alonso got podium um this was a team that this is a team that knows how to operate at a good level and obviously they're going for a lot of changes at the minute and obviously this, all of this noise, like you say, noise, noise is the perfect um, way to put it. Doesn't exactly help matters, but obviously, yes, other options for drivers. If again, whether Hass's hand is forced or whether they make decision to, to release Nikita. And again, I think we, we, we're both in agreement that, you know, he hasn't done enough in his tenure in the sport to prove that he is any more than just a driver who brings funds. Um, of course, you have to be talented to just get into an F1 car and bloody pull it away. Okay. One races in formula two, but in terms of the level for formula one, there are other options. Like we said, um, I think we should discuss Pietro Fittipaldi first. Um, because of course he's been with Haas for a long time now. Um, again, raced in 2020, did a pretty reasonable yeah. job. I think when he jumped in, in 2020, all things considered difficult to measure, of course. Um, if they were to bring him in, you know, do you think he's just a, a stopgap, a short-term replacement, or do you think he could be a, a long-term? Because obviously the Fittipaldi name, I'm not sure how much, you know, money's money is that bringing. That's a name. Obviously, you've got Schumacher name in Formula 1. You've got Schumacher <laughs> yeah. Fittipaldi. That's like a, <laughs> that's a bit of a throwback of a lineup, potentially. I would just, if I was them, I'd almost kind of learn from everything that happened and just say, do you know what? If we need, if we've already got Schumacher, we've got the name, let's focus on quality. I do think actually, regardless of who they put in, I think it's going to be a one-year contract either way. It is going to be a stopgap because this situation has arose out of nowhere. So yeah, in terms of obviously yeah, Pietro, yeah. I think he did a really good job actually at the end of 2020. I mean, just being kind of put into that team out of nowhere. He wasn't expecting it as well. He didn't bin the car. He did a fairly solid job. And I remember it wasn't like he was miles off the pace, even in the race, like he did a he did a solid job and he brought it back home in one piece. I mean, what more can you what more can you ask in that kind of situation? But 
is he i mean two really two kind of questions when it comes to him has he got the experience now and also more than anything else has he got the quality as well i mean we're talking an entire season we're talking an entire formula one season for a team that needs to deliver on their package i mean if they have even a lower midfield car they need a driver who's going to get 100 110 uh, you know out of it even though that's technically impossible but yeah that's my only thing uh, I'm not quite seeing the unbelievable talent. Like, do you remember, obviously, Max Verstappen is maybe the kind of the best example. Even in Formula 3, Red Bull were like, this guy, we need to get him into Formula 1 now. I think Pietro is a good yeah. option, but he's not that kind of superstar talent uh, at the moment anyway. Yeah, in terms of his kind of junior formula record, it isn't at the level of plenty of drivers who are, you know, current F2 drivers. You look at Oscar Piastri, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but obviously, because he is in with the team already. He's worked with the team. He knows the team. And, you know, I, I think as well, a big part of it, because again, to, to play kind of devil's advocate um, around Nikita is that he was, you know, last season, he did talk a lot about, you know, the car, you know, having issues with his chassis. I, I feel like, and again, we, we don't know because we don't work in the team, but we can only go from what drivers are saying. And, you know, I, I think at times he didn't feel was supported within that Haas team as he felt Schumacher was. I think he felt Schumacher got preferential treatment at times last season. Um, but even if that is the case, my kind of response to that is like, well, why is that? Yeah. Because, because I feel like there are two drivers in, in Nikita and Mick who conduct themselves, at least from what we see on the outside looking in, um, quite differently. And yeah, I, I, I think having that good connection and you know, having a team who really seems to want you to succeed um, and will chuck everything behind you, I think is like super important. And I think Pietro would kind of bring that to the table. Um, again, as a short term, maybe it's just the first couple of races before they tie up with someone else. But I guess if not Pietro, then then who else? I mean, I've got my number one choice. If I was them, I'd know exactly who I'd go for. And that would be Oscar Piastri. He would be my absolute number one. He doesn't bring in he doesn't bring in any funding, and that's maybe something that they are looking for. Maybe a pay driver, not in the not just for the money, but someone who can bring in a bit a bit of budget. I'm not sure how much you know Oscar would be bringing in. Maybe Alpine can kind of sweeten the deal there, but I would be absolutely mm. making a beeline for Oscar Piastri again. This is going to be just a one season wonder. No one's going to be getting two or three year contracts here. They just need someone stable and. It's funny because you said a few minutes ago, you know, comparing people's junior careers to Oscar Piastri, that is literally the platinum standard. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, the man in the past three years has won, a, or at least, you know, last year has won a single seater championship in the past three years. That's not even something that Leclerc and Russell were able to do. So he is as good as it gets. He's right there on the sideline, potentially a superstar. And he is, I mean, listen, I mean, if he goes up against Schumacher, I'm not saying I'd, I'd actually take Piastri over Schumacher in terms of who I think would get the better mm. of each other by the end of the season. So I think he's a superstar talent mm. just waiting there. The only kind of slight hesitation is that you'd technically be helping Alpine. Like you'd be developing their young driver. And if you're trying to get on that level, if you're a Haas who, are try who have ambitions of being in the midfield, that kind of helps your opponent for the future because you're kind of building up their driver. So that's the only kind of hesitation about that. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, to be honest. I think Oscar Piastri is the guy that I would be going for. Yes, there might be a few things that might need to be sorted out with Alpine. And also, actually, we did, let's not forget, we did a video, actually, of bold predictions uh, before the uh, start of testing. 
And one of mine was that Oscar Piastri in some form would be in a Grand Prix in 2022. So, I mean, I didn't see this happening, obviously. You but did say that. I just think he's too good of a talent to leave on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, and that's... Because I was, I was thinking about this earlier, actually. Because Oscar makes a lot of sense. Because in terms of the, the driver with the most noise around them to have a Formula 1 seat this season who hasn't, it's Oscar Piastri, clearly. But do you think Alpine... Because there's a balance for Alpine, because obviously he is their development driver, he is their reserve driver, um, and obviously if you let him go for the season to a Haas, he will pick up experience in a car. Which could that Haas be competitive with Alpine? I mean, from what we saw in testing, you could argue that yes, Haas didn't had Haas's running wasn't great, but they didn't really go for any quick runs. Actually, Nikita, his quickest time wasn't wouldn't even put him in the bottom five. Like he did, like a mid one twenty one, I think. Um, I think that has has some pace. You got to remember as well, yeah, one hundred fifteen percent wind tunnel time. They got the most because they finished bottom. Um, you know that car looks. There's some interesting design choices that you know could end up like that. Could be a midfield. That could be a. You could have Alpine lending out Piastri to Haas who is then battling with Ocon and Alonso on track and not having him as a reserve driver. Do you think the the pros of Oscar's development long-term outweigh the cons of him potentially being a bit of a thorn in the side of Alpine and also not being available as readily as he would otherwise be? I think definitely the pros are because you, there's no better way. You can have him as a test driver. You can have, have him as a reserve driver. I'm sure they've they've already planned to give him a load of Friday sessions, whatever kind of mid-season test that we have. I'm sure Alpine have that in mind, but there is no better way of actually seeing and assessing your potential superstar driver than seeing him in a Grand Prix. I mean, that's that, there's no better thing than that. And I still think, obviously, if he was to go to Haas, you know, don't get it twisted. Alpine are going to have loads of clauses in that contract so that in any kind of shape at the mm. end of the season, it's going to back kind of revert to them. You know, they will have the final say on where he will be. But I still think it's worth it. I think it's worth it on both sides. I think you can't, especially when you have a mm. driver like that. He's he's a driver who I think has the potential to do something special in a midfield car, in a kind of crazy race, you know, mm. a Hungary, a Turkey, as we saw last year. I think he has that potential to maybe get a few points if the car is kind of on a better level than last year. And do you seriously drop that? I mean, there's definitely still good options, but again, he would be my number one. Mm. It would still be a little bit tricky, obviously, with the whole Alpine situation. But I think for both teams in a weird way, I think the pros outweigh the cons. Yeah, uh, look, he's got all the potential that Leclerc, all the potential that Russell had coming in just as much. So it's, you know, it's a huge driver. It's a huge talent coming through the sport. The thing is, I guess, as well for Haas is like, do they go with... Because, look, ultimately, he's never raced a Formula One car competitively, right? And given the situation, do they go for a junior like Piastri, who, again, like you say, will kind of help Alpine in the long run? Or... Do they branch their options elsewhere to a more experienced driver to plug the gap and steady the ship? Because there is still a lot of unknown. There's unknown for every team going into 2022. But I think particularly bringing in a rookie, you know, there's more unknown with that. So like what other drivers with more experience? Are we talking Hulkenberg? Are we talking a Magnussen return maybe? Like who else is out there that you think they would seriously consider who maybe has a bit more experience. 
I think one thing I do actually want to talk about, I'd love to see a Magnuson come back. I'd love to see also a Callum Eilor in there as well. I mean, those names have been thrown around, but all of those guys have now stable racing careers in America. I still think Callum Eilor, like in an ideal universe, going back to 2020, it would have been Eilor in the Haas for 2021 and Schumacher in an Alfa Romeo. You know, there was those pictures of them testing in a, they were on the Friday sessions. Mm. I remember at the Nürburgring, like that's what we thought we were going to get. I still think Callum Eilor could do a proper job. He's a quality driver, no doubt about it. Got a little bit unlucky, actually, in the first uh, Indy, IndyCar race uh, this season. But I think all it of is. those drivers, the only thing is, you know, both the K-Mag, even Roman Grosjean, they're in, especially, Ro I mean, Roman, he's in a really good spot at the moment in IndyCar, in a top team, really. So He's in a great seat. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think all of those guys are just so, at the moment, it's a different part of their careers now. You know, Formula One, for, for one reason or another, mm. and for different things, it just didn't work out, especially for someone like, uh, you know, Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen, they've been there, they've done that. Maybe Formula One would be tempting, but both of them are now kind of living almost new racing lives. Callum Eilor is a little bit different, mm. but almost on the same level. When you're racing in America, when you're already quite comfortable there, you're looking, you, you've trained for the first, you know, for your first kind of IndyCar season. Do you really want to ditch that for maybe a half chance at Formula One? You never know what's going to happen at Haas. Mm. It would be great to see him up against uh, Mick Schumacher in the same team. Obviously, th those two fought for the title and it was unbelievably close. But yeah, it's just... I don't know. I have a bit of a reservation in terms of the uh, IndyCar guys and the guys racing over in America. I think Hulkenberg is actually like, he, he's he's the super sub, isn't he? He's almost like Sam Allardyce in terms of football. Like, he is the guy who's going <laughs> to get in there and just do a job. I mean, he came into Racing Point. Sam Allardyce, that's brilliant. Mate, a, a, pro, a, de a decent Great manager energy. and a decent driver, I think, <laughs> on similar levels. Yeah, I th and, and obviously Hulkenberg is with Aston Martin as the kind of reserve test driver as well it's like would nico i do wonder if 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 a hulkenberg would would he want to go back to a team that because kevin magnuson talked about this as well i i think i don't think it would be k-mag because i think he was quite yeah. um quite vocal in, in the idea that if he goes he wants he wants to start winning races again you know what i mean he wants to be fighting at the top you've got to remember these drivers you know typically when to get to formula one you win everything. You win all your karting. You win all your junior formulas. You get your opportunity in F1. And then if you're stuck in a mid to low field team, you never get a shot at winning. And I think K-Mag had kind of been um, starved of those opportunities to just be on the top step of a podium or just be on a podium full stop for, for too long to maybe want to go to He did get one, to be fair, in his first bridge. ever race for McLaren. But, so, I mean, that one and only. What a, what a, I think, honestly, Kevin Magnussen, such a, underrated he's driver, a lost talent for sure I mean and you talked about midfield drivers you know Definitely. it's so rare I honestly think that I mean off the top of my head Sergio Perez is the only one that comes to mind in terms of like a driver in the midfield that just got an opportunity you know in a race winning car mm -hmm. it does not happen a lot and I feel like again for K-Mag he's doing good where he is now he's, he's, he's in a different stage of his career and that's why I lean more to the I lean more towards someone like Hulkenberg because I mean, obviously it all depends if he actually wants to still race in Formula One and what Haas can actually give him. It would be kind of a back of the grid, you know, do you still want to do a, you know, a job for us, uh, you know, just for this year? As a test driver, let's be honest, I mean, I'm sure, I think I've heard even Nico say this at, at some points, but it's not always the most exciting thing, you know, that being a test driver, you spend lots of time in, you know, you spend lots of time True. wearing the Aston Martin jumper and you spend lots of time in the simulator, but it's not, you know, it's not the same thing as being on track. It's not the same. So it's... But he, I think he'd, as as an experienced driver, I think the only problem with Hulkenberg is that he'd want to be paid, I think. And Haas are probably looking for kind of like, you know, we're giving you the seat. That is the payment. So maybe there'd be a few problems that side. But yeah. on a performance level, 
He's just solid, man. I mean, again, when he came into Racing Point, obviously during the whole COVID situation, he did more than a solid job. I mean, I think he qualified P3 in Silverstone after barely driving at all. And I think he scored mm -hmm. points in every single one of his races as well in a car that definitely should have been in the points. So at the very least, he is a five or six out of 10 driver that will just do a solid job and bring the car home. Yeah, which is maybe what Haas need. You know, that uh, given, you know, the, the driver issues they had between Schumacher and Mazepin, you know, coming together and at loggerheads a lot of the time last season, this all, everything that's going on now, that all just adds to the insecurity that must be felt around that team. And yeah, I just think having a driver, a, a Hulkenberg Schumacher would be a really solid pair. Double German I don't as think well, all German lineup. All it German lineup good, as well. It? That would be that would that would be phenomenal. But um, also, I think it's worth discussing because, like we said, kind of earlier on, is that Ferrari do have a pretty strong driver academy. A lot of young drivers coming through. Um, but obviously, one of the options that you might consider would also be as much off the table as Nikita Mazepin in Robert Schwartzman, who, of course, is Russian as well. And you know, any sanctions that would affect Mazepin. There's no reason why they wouldn't equally affect Robert Schwartzman's chances of, and, and that might affect his chances of perhaps racing in kind of Formula 2 this year. I think, to be honest, I don't think he was going to do Formula 2 anyway. I think he's going to do some more stuff with Ferrari because I think, yeah, Robert Schwartzman, I think a lot of people know I'm a big fan of his. I thought he was a really good driver. Like, yes, he missed out on the title both times, but I think he finished in the top three or top four in both of his seasons. I think he finished fourth or something. He was competitive both Exactly, years, he won yeah. races in both of his years. He's a quality driver. Didn't quite, kind of, didn't quite have it in qualifying, but certainly he was a really good racing driver. I think he was one of those guys. He's kind of like Callum Mylot to me. I, both of those guys deserved a, a chance, a year to kind of show, again, a tiny mm. glimpse of potential, even in a, a backmarker car. And I'm kind of, I'd love to see him at Haas. I think he's, even though he is Russian and he would obviously, again, I, I think he's out of the question because, again, of more of those visa issues in terms of what kind of sanctions the other countries are going to put course, towards, yeah. uh, towards Russian just athletes in general, not just even in Formula One. But mm. he is someone who I think is, he even, of course, uh, tested for Haas in uh, Abu Dhabi at the end of 2021. So he's kind of familiar with the team. I mean. And I think he would be a really kind of, mm. that'd be a really great lineup with uh, Schwartzman and Mick Schumacher. I think they have quite a good relationship, actually, from everything that I've seen in Formula Two. But yeah, it's it's a whole different situation. I know they're both Russian, but it's a whole different situation with Mazepin and Schwartzman. But unfortunately, I think it will still be the same result in terms of those uh, those sanctions. But I would like to see Schwartzman in Formula One, even though it's probably unlikely. Well, so what is Robert planning on doing this year? What is the? I think he was planning. I, I wasn't sure if he was. In I think F2 he was planning not, on doing some sports sure what, car racing and really kind of getting closer with Ferrari. I know okay. he was at the kind of the launch of the car. Uh, I mean, he was buzzing on Instagram, mm. by the way, just wearing his Ferrari blazer. So yeah, he's loving life. But yeah, I think he's trying to keep kind of close to the Ferrari family if he's not able to get into uh, single seaters because ultimately Formula 2 is unbelievably expensive. And what's the point of constantly staying in Formula 2 if you know that perhaps Absolutely. Formula 1 is just not going to happen? Better to maybe build a career in sports cars, build that Ferrari relationship and just be a Ferrari driver. I mean, I say it all the time. Formula One is not the be-all and end-all. You're not a failure if you don't get into Formula One. You can still true. be a quality driver. So true. You can go into endurance, maybe single-seaters over, over in America. And again, to have those Ferrari links, to be a Ferrari driver, racing driver in any capacity, it's not too bad. I mean, it's still a pretty lucrative career. Like, uh, like th this is this is something I think it's. Like, I'm, I've obviously found a way to mention Alex Albon hey. in this podcast. But when when people say, you know, and I'm I'm his biggest fan, remember, right? And people say, oh, Red Bull done him over. Well, 
No, they gave him an opportunity in Formula One in Toro Rosso, and then he went to Red Bull, got slapped up by Verstappen, but still was supported in DTM, was still kept in the family. Now they lobbied it for him to get a seat at Williams, and he's still got the Red Bull logo plastered all over his Mercedes-powered car, which is a bit weird. Um, like, like he's still, like, these, if... if if a junior program like Red Bull, I think it's a great example of just giving, yes, they might not all get to F1, but there's only 20 seats. There's only so many people. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's one of them where, you know, Ferrari have supported a lot of drivers coming through. Are, are there any other drivers that kind of stick in your mind? Obviously you've got like kind of Marcus Armstrong um, in F2 as well. I think he's in F2 this year, right? I, I believe. I think or, so. Or maybe he, there's a yeah. lot of changes in the F2 grid this year. There's a lot of new drivers. I know like Jack Doohan's jumped up, Dennis Halgar. Um, but I mean, are, are there any other Ferrari junior drivers that you think kind of could potentially be in for a shot? Not really. I know that there's there's a lot of good racing drivers in Ferrari's armory. There's no doubt about that. But it's a bit, especially if, if we're talking about the Haas situation, they need a solid option. Someone who either has shown unbelievable potential or at least race winning potential to be at least on the level of Mazepin, because obviously that's what you kind of want. I mm. think with the other drivers, they're a bit more kind of, you know, they're definitely not solid options. And something that you're looking for is potentially Formula One experience anyway. So as much as I think Ferrari have some great drivers, no doubt about that, they do have a rich academy. I don't really think that there's anything, there's anyone that stands out. Yeah. I, I, and I think kind of, you know, of everyone who's available, Aldas Steiner, what are you doing if Nikita has to be replaced? Um, if he can't race in 2022, who are you picking to race alongside Mick Schumacher at Haas in 2022? I said it, Oscar Piastri. I mean, that guy, when you've got sort it out with Alpine, sort it out, do whatever you do, whatever you have to, you know, even if that means like, I'm not sure they're going to, they're going to pay. I'm sure Alpine should be, by the way, they should be lobbying to get Piastri in that seat, by the way. I think he could do a phenomenal job, even as a one season wonder, I think I know there's obviously experienced drivers off the back of that and potential, you know, people with Formula One experience like Giovinazzi as well, who's being linked very heavily. I think Gio perhaps is the favorite at the moment with his Ferrari links and the fact that he literally was in Formula One last year. But with someone like Piastri, he there's something special there. And I think we've seen Gio bottle it even last year on multiple occasions. I'm sorry, I do love Gio. I, I do love you, Gio, mm. and I know that you're racing in Formula E, but he did bottle it on a few occasions in a in a pretty decent Alfa Romeo. I'm not saying it was anything amazing. And you need someone who, on those crazy races, is not going to bottle it and potentially yeah. will give you that big result. And I think Piastri at the moment is just the best option. How can you not take a driver? I mean, to put it kind of into better context, it's literally like having Charles Leclerc or George Russell with no F1 experience on the sidelines. That That's the potential that this guy has shown. And I mean, look at what Russell and Leclerc yeah. have uh, gone on to do. So that would be my choice, in my opinion, Literally. for one year. Absolutely. Well, because as well with like like the point you said um, in IndyCar with kind of Ayalot, Grosjean, uh, Magnussen in IMSA as well, like the security of having, you know, Giovinazzi's got that Formula E drive now. He raced in the first race in uh, Mexico. Like he's, he's started that season. He started that relationship. He started something new. And I don't think for the, if it was a more secure seat, maybe, but because there's so many questions around it, I think it would be, I don't know, maybe Gio, it depends how desperate Gio is to get back in F1 and just Very. try and prove. I mean, because, I remember, I remember yeah, his Instagram, and, and I remember his thing. Instagram post, obviously when it was announced that he mm. left Alfa Romeo, I'm sure Giovinazzi is lobbying very hard for that seat, but I don't, but then I'd kind of be worried about the motivation there. I mean, I know that he's kind of, 
he's hard would he still then race for formula e i mean you can't do both surely i mean it's just you want if no, you're going to get a driver no, no, no. full motivation i want 110 percent of your motivation to be exactly. towards this team no formula e no no racing mm. on the side Cat, uh, what is it um oscar piastri he can do that that's exactly what he's looking for he's looking for that chance i think and also antonio giovanazzi i mean he did get beat by kimi raikkonen as well it's just I think Gio, almost like Hulkenberg, I mean, it's going to sound really bad. I'd almost take Hulkenberg over Gio. I know that might be a controversial thing. But, oh, I would as well. And that's I why I think well. just go for the exciting option, especially for one year. You know, if it goes wrong with Oscar Piastri, I mean, you know, it's it goes wrong. But I don't think it will, to be brutally honest with you. And, and I still think that Mick Schumacher, I, I'm confident Mick Schumacher will do enough to extract close to the ceiling of whatever this, however quick this has is, I think Mick will do a, a good job in it. He'll be the bar. So even if the other driver takes a bit of time, I think Mick will be a kind of a good, a good waypoint. Um, one driver, I think, because obviously it's easy to forget that Haas is an American team over recent years anyway. Um, they've never, you know, covered the car in, in the red, white and blue, which I've always dreamt that they would. Well, they um, have, but it was a different red, white and blue, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 yeah, very different red, white and blue. Um, but a driver I, I think, and I've talked about in the past, and maybe it wouldn't happen because of, of a certain Andretti's desire to get into Formula One, it seems, is Colton Herter. Um, now, he's obviously an Andretti driver at the moment in IndyCar. Um, has done a very, has done a fantastic job since he, he joined the series. He finished fourth yesterday, didn't he, in, in St. Petersburg, Florida, not Russia. Um, and and I, I think Colton, you know, he raced with Lando as a junior. Um, he's an American driver. Yeah, has an American team. I think a Herta Schumacher partnership. Yes, he would be new to the sport, but I'm pretty sure he's got the super license points. Um, yeah, because I think I remember I think... us talking. I think it might have been about Pato Awardo last year, or maybe it was actually Colton Herta. I forget now, mm. but yeah, it's just to do with super license points. I think it could be a very exciting addition, actually. He's a bit of a wild card. I definitely would like to see him. I mean, he's done really well so far in IndyCar, but yeah, he, is he maybe holding out for those Andretti Formula One links? I don't know, but it would be good to actually get an American driver in an American team. I mean, talk about. I mean, talk about kind of bringing back the positivity to the team. I mean, that's got to motivate, motivate uh, kind of the entire team, no doubt, either, especially on the United States side as well. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, actually. I like that. And, and I would look, I would argue, I, I think IndyCar is a bit shafted when it comes to super license points. It's 100%. the same amount of points you get in Formula 2. And this is, you know, F2 is a junior category. You've got kids in here at, at very, like, the, the experience levels in F2 compared to IndyCar, it's not even it's not even close. You've got people like Castro Neves in, in IndyCar who's been racing for years and won multiple championships. You've got, you know, Scott McLaughlin who came from V8 Supercars who won yesterday. You've got over. so many drivers. Exactly. You've got you've got drivers stacked with ability in IndyCar and Colton has always been competitive. And I think that says a lot. I think he'd do a fantastic job in Formula One personally. And if Andretti does happen as well. Then I think Colton would be surely, surely it's the driver. Got, yeah, yeah, it's got to be. I think if Andretti happens, then for sure he's got to be in there because otherwise, what's the point of bringing an American team? I mean, if you want to generate more buzz in America, teams are one thing. A driver is something completely different. That is a focal point. That's what the fans want. And yeah, I think there's loads of great options. I think that's the good thing for Haas is that mm. now that they have had kind of, they're going to have a week to think about it or however long they take. There's a lot of amazing options out there. So I think they're yeah, it's looking yeah. it's looking good. And I think. 
again, there's so, yeah, there's so many options and I think there's not really a wrong answer. I think there's quite a few right ones, actually. Mm. Yeah, so I, I think if it comes to that, if Nikita is to depart um, for whatever reason, whether it's has internally or sanctions or whatever, um, then I don't think they're short of options. Um, I think we'll wrap it here, mate. I do want to know, have a T- Tomo Steiner, think- what is your pick though? Because I've gone Oscar Piastri 100%, 100% with Hulkenberg as kind of like a little second. Tomo Steiner, what, who are you signing alongside Mick Schumacher? Uh, I'm Alex probably Albon. going with... <laughs> I would probably I'd go for Hulkenberg um, if I, I I would go for Hulkenberg as kind of the priority yeah, choice just personally. super sub I, I think that dedicate like we it's it's guaranteed stability straight away in there with Nico I think I think he would be the perfect kind of stopgap driver and then to maybe get someone else in in, in 2023 yeah. That's 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 Tomo Steiner's opinion. But what's your opinion? Let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube down below. Um, if you're listening, then maybe come to the YouTube video and, and put your thoughts in the comments. And don't forget to rate the podcast five stars as well. Um, also, just quickly before we wrap up, I just want to say, like, obviously, it you know it does feel a bit like we're discussing a driver potentially losing their seat. You know, it is a difficult subjects obviously what's going on in the world right now is is horrible to watch um from the outside looking in you know we're fortunate that we're in the uk and we're kind of separate from what's going on but obviously you know our support to anyone who's who's dealing with you know what's going on right now it is a it's it's a conflict that's really kind of captured everyone and i think really brought kind of humanity and, and sport into light and you know there's been a lot of talk of you know mix it you know should we mix politics and sport that ultimately top tier sport is political there's a reason we race in saudi arabia in russia in azerbaijan a lot of these places you know these races come from you know this political source to these things and i think we, we should you know we, we try and talk about these things as kind of openly and honestly and, and genuinely and look I think Nikita Mazepin, he's had a very controversial F1 career since before it even started, let's be honest. Um, In this instance, you know, again, as a human being, you know, he's not responsible for what's going on. I think that's important to remember as well. I know he's been getting a lot of stick, um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's just an individual um, not responsible for what's going on because he's Russian. Um, But at the same time, you know, sanctions, like we say, coming into play, could result in him losing his seat. And that's why we're talking about this today. So I just, I just think that's important to kind of caveat all of this conversation. And we try and yeah, talk about it. It's yeah, let's not forget, like, obviously the wider situation, again. like, of, of what's happening. Like, mm. even me being Lithuanian, like, there's so much tension, even, like, you know, even there. Like, it's so Absolutely. close to the situation. I've got, even, I've got a lot of family that are super worried about it. So, yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of things that are going on outside. And let's not forget that. But, yeah, you can't, you know, I always see, like, especially, you know, when everything started so much abuse towards like Hass, especially like on twitter and stuff and like just don't forget there's a wider situation going on it's not you know the team's fault or anything like that so yeah it's i think we have to kind of really tread carefully but formula one also needs to do the right thing as well and even on their statement you know about the russian grand prix it was very wishy-washy the wording i didn't quite like it and i think they need to do uh, better as well actually yeah absolute clarity and communication i think super important from here on in but yeah Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you on the next one.